Welcome everyone to the Lighter Mind Podcast. In the Lighter Mind, we explore spirituality, personal growth, trauma, recovery, and the path to wholeness. The Lighter Mind Podcast is not intended to diagnose or treat any forms of mental illness. We are not licensed therapists unless otherwise noted, and these are experiential conversations. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Lighter Mind Podcast. I'm sitting here with Crow and Alan once again, and today we wanted to talk about attachment and unhealthy detachment. And this is a little bit different than attachment theory, if anyone is familiar with that. That is something that we're going to dig a little bit deeper into on our next episode with a clinical psychologist, one of our, our buddies who's going to sit in and dig into the types of attachments in psychology. But today we're, we're sitting here trying to identify some of our healthy attachments and our unhealthy attachments and what that actually means for us. And I got Alan over here who is sitting and browsing the internet trying to find a very solid definition of what that actually means. But I think we're going to end up talking about what it actually means to us. Right. Yeah. So um, it's this is a tough, tough subject. I mean, what what is attachment? You know, are we looking at interpersonal attachment, attachment to things, attachment to ideas, outdated beliefs. So, you know, um, I think when we first kicked this idea around, we were discussing attachment theory, um, but then we realized it was kind of broader, and it kind of feeds into the whole addiction thing in that, you know, you get attached to things. I mean, you could be attached to your possessions. And do those hold value to you? They hold you back. Do they make you healthy, strong, or are they making you weak? So I think we need to kind of look at what attachment and maybe not unattachment, but non-attachment is um, and the thoughts around those things. Like, is this, you know, is this a good attachment? And I can I kind of think that's where we need to start with. Yeah. Right? Yeah, so. I, w- I would have to agree. This is this is something that, because of the two of you, I'm starting to look into it in my my own life. Not just with, like I'm I'm I would say that I am a recovering codependent, and so my attachment was to that you know relationships, attachments to love, and and how I show up in my interpersonal relationships. And I, I was also just saying before we, we push play on this about how I have definitely been attached to possessions, you know, put, you know, like a car or a gaming system or uh, colognes or, or things that I kind of let define who I am. And I'm still trying to, through my own journey, trying to figure out how do I bring a, a level of unhealthy detachment so that those things don't necessarily define who I am and don't bring, I, they don't bring a, around a level of suffering, but I know that Crow has something to say around, because <laughs> I asked you this question earlier, 
And the question, the question that I asked you is the purpose of healthy detachment to remove suffering. And you had a very, very good answer. Um, yeah, thanks. Boy, what a topic today. God, this is so big. I think the best thing <laughs> that we can do is just to really stay on the outside for now. Yeah. And just kind of circle our way in. Um, but in terms of recovery, like Alan was mentioning, and in terms of suffering, um, there's a piece of stoicism and a lesson of that in there, I believe, which is no, we are not detached from our feelings. No, we are not. We just have a better level of perception and, and depth of how far we're going to react to it. And I think the greatest place to start on the periphery like that is just the recognition that I am attached. You, you said something really interesting that I had, I'm a, I'm a recovering codependent. And I think, I think <laughs> honestly, come on, man, we're, the whole world is, I would, yes, we're, the yes. whole world. And, <laughs> you know, agree. we often use that in, uh, in, um, addiction recovery that the world, the whole world is addicted. Right. Well, and one of the, one of the terms for codependency is, relationship addiction right mm-hmm. so you've yep. got you've got that factor you know that that feeds into that what you're saying right mm-hmm. totally i mean and and uh, an addict and if not that then it's certainly an addiction to to self and an addiction with that alan what you'd said my addiction to my old beliefs the right. beliefs Ooh, that no yeah. longer serve me and that's a huge one here and and the that means then that I'm addicted to my my image of myself, who I I think I am, or I'm pretty god dang sure I am, and I'm going to play to that, and it's the same as what I've constructed ten years ago. Doesn't serve, doesn't work, and I I'm a but it's the only model I have, mm-hmm. so it's where I'm going to remain, and I'm not going to change. And it's, it's I think, to me, unhealthy is anything that is affording you the opportunity to change, to, to, to change, I mean, to, uh, <clears throat> to move forward in your life, and... I think anything that well, anything that holds you back is is uh, an unhealthy attachment if it no longer serves. The problem with us is that us humans is that I don't think that often enough we're educated, we understand to what level and what depth if we're not attached to things, then we're certainly attached to people and if not to that, then to certainly the spiritual aspect, which you were talking earlier, mm-hmm. about attachment to self and the one I'm going to create. And that's a, that's a pretty vague place to start. I think, it's a bit, I think that, it's, that spe- it speaks volumes for me, though, because like what, like we, what we were talking about before we, we had even started this podcast today is that I, that's that's something that I'm I'm currently dealing with is that that attachment to titles and that you know that that identity of who I think I am and I had just the the worst time actually trying to piece 
apart like this this identity of who I think I am and like what a leader looks like, what a friend looks like, what a what a good fiance looks like and and it's it was it was actually kind of soul shattering for me to to take an honest look at like this is the title that I have given myself based off of my perception of watching figures in my life like especially leaders you know people that I look up to and you know father figures and mentors and anyone like that that have given me almost a warped perception but then I have tried to live up to this this warped perception of who I think I am. And, and then I turn around and I shame myself if I can't meet this unrealistic warped perception. And, but having to detach from that was absolutely heartbreaking for me because it was almost like I had lost a part of my identity within that because it was Mm -hmm. this title. and, And it's the same thing for like addiction. You know, it's like for the longest time, I thought that I was I was a criminal. I was going to lie, cheat and steal my entire life. And I thought that 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 was like who I am. I'm supposed to be the chameleon and blend into every social circumstances that I go into so that people can like me and that I have to be manipulative and I have to control the entire situation around me. And but and having to let that go like that's so painful because without that, who am I? Who are you? That is the huge, huge question. And in relation to how you learned and developed through the years, what do I expect and how do I expect, if expectations the word, how do, I, how do I remain open to anybody else without uh, an attachment to what I expect of them? Well, so. and this is a huge problem, right? So I, you know, for years I've told people this, you can control two things. I may have said this in another episode, that your, your actions and your reactions to other people's actions, right? So I think when you have a friend or whatever, a person, and you expect a certain action from them, it hurts, right? Mm-hmm. And you're attached to that person in whatever way you are. So in your case, you know, you have these ideals, you know, for who you are and what you want to be. But I think the key is to just be right. So instead of saying, you know, trying to force something that maybe you aren't like you can learn to be a good leader, but it's not Mm going to happen. And I never tried to be a good leader, but in my you know, once I had employees, I learned to be a good leader, and, and I knew that they would go to battle for me. They'd do whatever they had to because it was a two-way street, and I treated them right, and they understood, you know. So, um, and then after that, I started actually looking into leadership and what good things are. But I think it's really hard to say I want to be a good leader mm-hmm. um, and just become one without having... I mean, you can read all you want, but the practical day-to-day experience of leading is much different than, you know, it's like if we were in, a, if I was a general or in a war, and I, <clears throat> you know, read all the books on how we're going to go to war, and then I get out there and the bullets are flying and people are getting <laughs> their limbs blown yeah. off, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. who cares? Different. All your learning doesn't matter. All of your ideals for what you thought this would be 
So that kind of attachment um, is unhealthy, right? And I, mm. I, I was just looking. Uh, there's a book called The Way to Love by Anthony DeMello, and uh, he really is into not attachment, and this was a pretty good quote from him. He goes, the first truth, you must choose between your attachment and your happiness. You cannot have both, right? Yeah. So, and that yeah, ties yeah, into yeah. Stoicism, right? Like, right. The, so it, does, does that also tie into, does that mean uh, the, your question on suffering? You, well, I would you think it does because, would, it does. you know, yeah. when you have There's... wants, you suffer, right? Right. Like, you know, I think Marcus Aurelius said, you know, you, to be happy, you got to realize you have everything you need now, right? Right. And that's what I'm saying. Just be. Like, if you, um, I think the biggest problem that we all have is we have expectations, which are attachments to an ideal in the future, Mm-hmm. that may be unreasonable, may be unattainable. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we beat ourselves up because we don't make that goal, right? And I think, you know, we've discussed this just being on the path. So the path, you know, and that, that whole Kafka thing, I think it was Kafka that said, you know, what life is is a point, a goal, and a line, right? And we've talked about that line sometimes isn't very straight. Yeah. So right. I think it is in some ways harmful I mean, I don't think you should just say I don't have any ambitions. I don't give. A, 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 I don't give a care about anything in the world. I'm just going to be, and you know that'd be cool. You'd be, you'd be the Buddha. You know, <laughs> exactly. You'd go sit under a tree and yeah. just be. But that's not the modern world. So you need to have realistic expectations of what your life could be, or what you want it to be, and and I think maybe the bigger problem is setting. Like, I'm going to have to do this by a certain date. Mm-hmm. Like, when I was, you know, 280-plus pounds, I'm like, I'm going to be 160 pounds in a year. Well, you know, I got on the scale yesterday. I'm still right at 200 pounds. Mm-hmm. You know, I was at 180 before I had my spine injury. But I'm like, well, geez, mm-hmm. it's been six years, I, and I was going to do it in a year. Yeah. You know, and you don't, like, whatever. That's, that's life. And maybe it's as you get older, you get wiser, or you hope that you get wiser, and you're like, I'm not, this is, this is something that is a good goal, but if I define who I am by this goal and I don't meet it, then I'm going to ha- be full of self-loathing and angst and not be happy. And so I think non-attachment to these, you know, like you can have goals, but you don't need to have them define you, Right. Does that make sense? That, Absolutely, that make sense. and I and I like that point right there about just be. That's way easier than done for most of us. We're just not trained, right. especially in this culture in America. We are not taught to just go inward and be and and allow that space to, you know, unfold. That's be- that sounds beautiful. It's very Eastern, but it's just not us. We got to do. We're human doers. And so I think, wouldn't you, let me throw it out, don't you think that's a good enough of a goal for a year is heightened watchfulness that anything, be it in an exoteric way or an esoteric way, inward or outward, I'm being aware of that. I'm... What is my attachment to it? What is the meaning of it? 
How important is it? And I mean, you could a guy could spend the rest of their life on this, let alone getting into other humans and interactions right. and relationships. Because now you're talking about my attachment to my expectation of, i.e., everybody else, and I expect you to fall in line. Or, I, I'm a teacher. I expect to be heard, listened, and blah, blah, blah. Well, it doesn't work like that. Mm -hmm. This is the real world. Um, you may, you may um, succeed at your goal. You may not. So you have to be ready to let that go and be, which I think all of this ultimately in a, in a very broadened sense, since we are circling around today and we're very big, I, I think that the, that, the, that the end game goal is, I just lost my train of thought, Kyle. I had a really good one. We'll come back. It'll, it'll it. come back around. It'll come it. back around. It'll come back around. All right, yeah. I'm going to circle in on that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, um, well, almost sorry about it's, that it's all right it's yeah, all right it's, it'll come uh, back around man it's fine you guys yeah, well, this, me this is kind of where i think mindfulness comes in right so you know you got to be aware of of these urges um you need to say to yourself like and we discussed good and bad thoughts you know how and there's good and like you know it's noble to have some goals right but if you set these goals, say you become a great leader, do you think that's going to make you happier? Not necessarily. Must, probably not. You'll probably be like, all right, uh, these are these things that I wanted. Now I have them. Mm -hmm. And what's the next thing? And it, maybe that's more with material possessions than actual, like, you know, life things. Like, I've become a good leader and people look up to me. Or I've become, you know, a public speaker and people, tons of people come and see me. Mm -hmm. You know, but I think... This is where non-attachment comes in, is that even if you're super, say you're like the greatest public speaker ever, you might not be happy mm -hmm. because you're still attached to more and more, more fame, more craving, more of whatever, right? Mm -hmm. So this is, I think, where it, you can, it can become addictive. Like, um, I, I want this, and then I get this, and that's not enough. So, I, you know, it's just like, doing a key bump that ain't enough man yeah. so we you know, we so. run the risk of being attached to the ultimate end desire and not the journey and that's yeah. i think where i was going ultimately with this before i i forgot yeah. was that was that it we have to become slowly aware of the moment and what it does is it brings us into the present there's no escaping it because ultimately you're going to start like we are today with this conversation until next week and drill down further. We're going to go, we're going to start on the outside and periphery and periphery. And once we unpack and pull more things away, it comes down to us and it comes down to the individual. And where are you before you step into a marriage, before you'd step into anything. And that can be one confusing place when you're coming out of, let's say, i.e. addiction recovery, which is a great, great metaphor for the world sort of waking up um, with, with any luck or hope 
we're after the ultimate aha of transformation here. And, and I think that, that the heightened awareness is the best we can ask as a starting point, as a starting point. That's not to diminish mm-hmm. goals. No, we need goals. We need to have a direction. Otherwise, we're, then we are the Buddha, we're floating around, or we're just, you know, mm-hmm. you can't, guy can't just drop acid all day and just go out on adventures. Yeah. We got to return. <laughs> what? We have to, <laughs> we have to return. There has to be a return to yeah. everything, and, it, and with all hands on deck, and as McKenna says, and you, you have to, what, what have you learned? And... All right, so I'm going to give a couple more quotes from uh, Anthony DeMello. He says, if you wish to be happy, the first thing you need is not effort or goodwill or good desires, but a clear understanding of how exactly you have been programmed. In order to be genuinely happy, there is only one thing you need to do. Get deprogrammed, get rid of those attachments. But only after have you got rid of your emotional upsets For then your action will spring from peace and love, not from a neurotic desire to appease your computer or to conform to its programming or to get rid of negative emotions it generates. Then he goes on to say, what is love? Take a look at a rose. Is it possible for a rose to say, I shall offer my fragrances only to good people and withhold it from bad? Or can you imagine a lamp that withholds its rays from a wicked person who seeks to walk in its light? So, Mm -hmm. right, so... You know, so it's kind of interesting, right? So we've got this attachment that keeps us from being happy, right? So, and this is where, how do you delineate what's a good attachment and what's a bad attachment? Like, I know, like, true love is a good attachment, right? Mm -hmm. Codependent love is a bad attachment. Um, Having some things, like food, and they're important, right? But then hoarding is an attachment, and it's terrible to see i think that's where that sense of mindfulness comes in i think that we have i think that we have to be self-aware and we have to like truly look at like our morals and our moral ground that we're standing on to figure out what that actually is and i and and i feel like that we we need to have a sense we need to have a sense of discernment too but i but i think that that i don't know if that's going to be subjective to each person or is there is there just like is there a list somewhere that's just like, these are healthy attachments, these are unhealthy attachments, or is that just going to be subjective to the person? Like, I don't, I don't. Well, I like just the fact that you said that period of discernment. Um, most can't even go there. To the point of discernment? To the point of just constant watching. Yeah. Constant yeah. watchfulness is what it takes. Is that, that is what we refer to as the heightened watchfulness that heightened sense of awareness, that heightened sense of watchfulness of why did I think that? Why did I just think that when that person walked by? It's almost as though I'm, as we drill down further and further, we're going into the grocery store, we're going into our marriage, we're going into everything with a a pre-conclusion. And I'm almost acting as if that's happened. So I'm almost attached to the reaction I expect. Right. Well, uh, wouldn't you say a pre-conclusion is an attachment? 
Yes, absolutely. Yeah, it's attachment yeah. to, attachment right. to outcome. So, so that, that goes back to this DeMello thing with programming, right? So we're all programmed in a certain way. Like mm-hmm. if it's epigenetic, how we were raised, how we grew up once we got out of the house, how life treated us and how we reacted to it. So how do you say this, you know, like you have an attachment to how the world should be like everyone should be nice and no one should stab each other. And you know, (laughs) yeah. And then it happens and then you're heartbroken, right? You're like, Oh my God, it's the end of the world because these people are killing each other. Right. Mm -hmm. And you're attached to this idea that we got to stop people from killing each other. Well, we've been doing it since time immemorial and it'll go on forever. Mm -hmm. And your attachment then is to this idea. So you become distraught and you become an emotional wreck because things out of your control are controlling you. Right. And then, but how do you say to yourself, well, I need to detach from this idea. I can't, this is not something that works. What it sounds like you just said is the higher the attachment, the higher the expectation. And the more you, you value that expectation, yeah, or you, you expect... Yeah. I mean, really expect that that result right. to happen the more you've attached to that. I love that quote that you sent mm-hmm. out uh, the other day. Yeah. Uh, um, that, was, that was a beauty. Which? I uh, got to read it. Yeah, yeah. which one? Uh, there's, a, there's a bunch of goodies. There was a bunch, there's of, a bunch really, of goodies really in there. There's a bunch of good ones in there. That's having too much time on your hands. That's <laughs> uh, <laughs> yep. all right. Um, no, it's, yeah, so uh, go here ahead. we go. Myth, the best way to grow is to make yourself uncomfortable. Reality, the best way to grow is to make yourself curious. That was one of them. That's now. a good one. Right. That is a really yeah. good one. All right. When you are attached to someone, their actions will matter more than their suffering. When you love someone, their suffering will matter more than their actions. I love that. Yeah, I thought that was really good. Yeah, that's so, a really good one. That, and then I so you one. know, um, again, so that that kind of goes to the codependent thing. Like you, you're attached to this person, but you don't really love them. You know, like I know so many people who are in love with the idea of being in love. Yes, and then they meet yeah. someone and they're super happy, but then you know the oxytocin or whatever that you know first six month hormone that wears off, and then they're like miserable because. Yeah. Um, you know, they had this ideal of what the person yeah. would be, and they're attached to the idea of what that person is, should be, you know, like the the perfect mate. And then it all falls apart, right? Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, I've had conversations with former bandmates of ours about how, you know, girls fall in love with you, like, because you're in a, a band, and you're like, woo, you know, and you're like crazy. And then 10 years later, all the stuff that they really thought were cool about you and you know, made you sexy to them. They hate, like, mm-hmm. why are you still in a band? Why are you still doing this stuff? Right. Mm-hmm. So you got this weird, like, like mindset that this, this attachment, you know, so they're attached to an idea of what you are, or they're attached to while well, you know, whatever they're, they're addicted to the fun loving guy. But then after the fun loving part gets a little tiring, they're like, well, this guy sucks. You know, because he's Mm -hmm. still like this 18-year-old dude, uh, mentally 18-year-old rock and roll, wannabe rock and roll star, and he's 60. So Right. Mm -hmm. And let's give her the benefit of the doubt here. 
and she's looking at you because you're in your 30s or 40s, and um, you still, you know, you, you work in a warehouse. You don't do that anymore, and she's looking at you going, why do we have all this equipment that's still in the house, and why are we following this dream, and when are you going to grow up and change and get out of that? Right. And move on to a new incarnation of you because I'm ready to love a new, a new you, a new. Right. And right. and you're you're almost pissing me off because you're not growing up. And I wonder about half of us too in the world about how do without coming to terms with that, are we getting upset because we feel we're attached to have an expectation that things should be, people should be further along. They're not. Um, and we, we almost hold ourselves in relation to either that given that take that, 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 uh, um, that lack of maturity level. If I'm with you, then that means I'm down there too. So something's, it turns into shame. It turns into a, a cycle of, yeah, this is who I am, mm -hmm. so I'm with you. And, you know, we can broaden that metaphor out or in if you like, but I think that was one of my cases with my own addiction in, in recovering from alcoholism is that I was stuck in that circle of shame saying, well, this is who I am. It was an identification loop mm -hmm. that I was in and I said this is this is just who I am there is no other way and I can't see another world and yada yada you know right so what were you attached to I mean were you attached to it was easy and that was a way to live or it was or were you fearing that it was too hard to break out of that circle or were you comfortable? Were you attached? Like this is fine. I'm fine with this. Yes. Yeah. I. I th I yes. I think yeah. there's there's definitely. I I became attached to, I became attached to discomfort and, well, not I I became attached to, comfortable dysfunction, if that makes any sense. So totally. I so I got to the point where, I was so used to burning the world down around me. And causing havoc and being my own worst enemy and always getting in my way, that became my norm. And I got attached to thinking that that's what I deserved. And, but breaking out of that was, was so difficult because I had that attachment. Went, like I had said earlier, that attachment was like part of my identity. And so I had this like, this idea that this is who Kyle is. Kyle's Kyle's the manipulator, the cheater. He burns everything down. He he breaks the relationships. He hurts women. He does all this, and like that's who I thought I was. And I, I became so attached to that dysfunction. And I think that that's what a lot of, I think that's just what addicts in general do. I think that we we get so attached and so invested in our dysfunction that we don't know anything different. And then we don't think that we actually deserve anything better than that. Mm -hmm. But I think it can work another way too, don't you? I mean, as far as like a, a CEO, a boss running a corporation, they don't know when to turn that off. So it's almost as if, you know, they, they, 
they continue that act, act, and I do mean an act because it is a it is a persona, and persona of course is the word for Greek mask, or, or as um, oh. Brene Brown would say, armor. Armor, it's armor, absolutely, it's armor. But the name, of course, from Greek and personae, which is mask, mm-hmm. where we get personality, mm-hmm. and we are. It's a mask, and we are wearing it. Um, and and I would agree. So you became attached to that, and and I I think that the more you you look around, you can see it's not just in addict behavior no. that is that is suffering i you can see it you can see it in uh in everyone they are really dead set 100 percent sure they are who they are yeah and they're going to continue to function that way because it's it's working it's working so we can mistake hey i'm doing okay it's working for my family my children and my job and my boss at the time because everything's good. So I'm going to stay here. And it's almost like a, um, a, a plateau that we hit. We don't expect more. We don't know how to grow beyond. So where's the possibility of transformation in that? When you're not even aware. And I, that's why I think today with attachment and attachment issues... I think it's, isn't it enough, I'll come back to that question, isn't it enough to learn small habits, back to the small habit styles, of just being aware that I'm doing it, I, here I go, I'm doing it again, I'm doing it again. I'm, right, I'm, yeah, and, you, and the, it, being mindful about things is, is really hard. Like, when I, I was getting rolfed yesterday and she was working my neck, and I would start just getting tense and lifting my head off. And then I'd realize, oh, you're tensing up. This isn't helping because she's trying to manipulate these muscles. So I'd relax. And she's like, you know, I'm glad that you, A, do breath work and meditate and do mindfulness because you're really good at being aware that you're doing these things, right? Mm-hmm. So um, so I think, yeah, it's important to be aware of that. I mean, I don't think many people want to be, and we've had this conversation, like, you know, you, you've got a decent life and you're pretty happy and, you know, why break out? You know, you could fail, right? You could fail if you decide, I'm going to stop being CEO of Megacorp mm-hmm. and I'm going to go and chase my dream of playing bass in a rock band, you know? Sure, you could do that, but you've got responsibility which we've had conversations about right Right? so i'm going to tell my kids well college might be off because dad's gonna might blow it all on his dream Mm -hmm. and maybe you're tone deaf and you can't figure out how to play a scale but you still want to do this so Mm -hmm. that's a bad attachment right so maybe where do you it's this kind of a tightrope walk like are you comfortable are you happy right and I think if someone, honestly, happiness is the goal, right? So if you're CEO of Megacorp and you're pretty self-actualized and you're happy, then I'm not going to say that you need to do more. You're, 90% of people are miserable and you're happy with what you've got. Good for you, mm-hmm. right? So um, I don't, and I, I think that, you know, sure, it'd be great for that person to go on some kind of, you know, 
quest or path to, to become more enlightened, but maybe there already are. You know, sometimes I talk to people, I'm like, man, this person seems super enlightened, you know? Mm-hmm. But then they're just stupid about other things. Like, <laughs> you're just like, how do you not know that, you know? Um, but here's a question for you. At what, a point, at what point do you attach, do you hold value to um, happiness and what you're going to attach to? Well, I don't think happiness has attachment. I think happiness is a state of being. It's not. It, 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 it's antithesis of of happiness. You know, attachment and happiness aren't the same thing, right? So, I don't think you can say that. Well, this is the point, and I'm attached to the idea of happiness. Happiness is. It's again. It's going back to just be, right? Like, yeah, I guess that so, was a pretty vague question right, to you in the first place because. Yeah. What is the, I mean, I, I, I'm thinking of the definition between happiness and joy. I was happy when I was drinking all the time, <laughs> sitting on a couch. Yeah. Um, well, were you happy or were you content? There's, yeah, there's a difference in that. There's the difference. Right. Content. Okay. I was, I was just content. Yeah. So I think, yeah. you know, and, the, and a lot of it is linguistics, semantics, whatever. There's little fine lines on words that we can use but i when i say the word happiness i'm thinking more like bliss bliss joy right okay yeah so if you if you've cool. got bliss in your life and you're megacorp ceo but you got you know your stuff basically together beyond that right. who, who are we to say you need to go and do more right yeah because yeah. if if and and that is an attachment to an ideal that we have like Oh, well, exactly. you know, yeah. he's not on the spiritual path, blah, blah, blah. And yeah. you're like, but he's blissful. And the, the, not, all the rest of us are like, why am I so miserable? Like, exactly. who am I to say that this guy needs to do more? Right. You know? and, and that's so, kind of what I, I was saying about the about how it is kind of, it is a very personal thing because our, our expectation or our experience and our journey is going to be different than other people. So it is going to be subjective to our own experience. Dependent on our authentic yeah, self, to, yeah, right, and however right. we show up with our authentic self, and well, and yeah. this just made me think of that Marcus Aurelius quote. Since we're discussing this, where he says, uh, "Waste no time arguing what a good man should be, just be one." So <laughs> yeah. we're sitting here arguing what a good man should be. You know? <laughs> so you know, sometimes it's uh, you know, uh, Mastin Kip used to call himself Todd or Rod the Fraud because he'd write these books on how to become better, and he's like, "Oh, but am I?" You know, so I think, you know, but this is all part of the journey. This is all part of the uh, exploration and the experience of life, right? And we're just trying to sort things out. And I think all of us, anyone that has some level of curiosity, right, instead of suffering or pain to make their life better, is like, all right, what can I do to get more bliss in my life? You know, what can I do? And, And I think part of it, is just doing the right thing, you know, for yourself and others. Like, you know, you can, people can be pretty crappy, even if they're good people. Like, well, in this situation, I'm going to not be the best guy in the world because it suits my interests more, you know. And we, this is, you know, when we talked about the, uh, um, that quote that you said about, you know, love mm-hmm. is being more concerned about the other person's suffering, right? So, Maybe a, attachment all boils down to actual love, 
like real love, like true, like love thy neighbor, love thyself, you know, um, not having any expectation or attachment to what it that is and what how other people react to it, right? Like if you just radiated love all the time to everyone, you'd be the Buddha or whatever, <laughs> Jesus, whoever, right? Yeah, right? But you'd be very happy and blissful. So I think it's, you know, I mean, this is so circuitous, but I think, you know, there's a huge factor between attachment and love and attachment and, you know, wanting to destroy things, you know, like you were. And I mm-hmm. was the same guy. Like, I loved causing chaos. Like, oh, they used to yeah. think of me as the Tasmanian devil. You know, <laughs> people would see me come in and like, oh, God, you know. So we've had that conversation. So it's a lot easier, and that, that goes to the... uh walls vulnerability mm-hmm. so and being attached to this persona that inspire or instills fear in others or like oh you know you're attached to that that's who i am right yeah absolutely. and it's hard to say well it's not who i am and maybe you don't know who you are but who cares just exist just be it'll come to you you know sometimes i think when you grasp things so hard they don't come to you and then you let go of of that and they do come to you you know it's that whole like if you love something let it let it free or whatever and it comes back to you it's meant to be or whatever you know they say yeah so which is typically true right and <laughs> i think people really do grasp on these ideas like i've got to be or they're attached to this i'm this i am this i am this you know mm-hmm. it's like when people used to years ago would ask me what i do and i'd be like I'm a husband. I got some dogs. I like to garden. <laughs> you know, I've got, uh, I like to mountain bike. No, no. What do you do? And I said, that's what I do. Oh, you mean for money? Oh, I make beer. Right. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, I think most people define themselves by their career yeah. and who, and who they are Absolutely. because it's easy. Right. It's not like, well, I meditate and I help the homeless and I help, recovering addicts Mm -hmm. and I, you know, you're right. You know, it's like, Oh, well I, I am this, you know, or so I think that people, again, it's just, you're attached to an ideal and a persona. And so how do you break that? I don't know. Well, I like what you said. Or do you want to break? I like what you said earlier about, about people are always just looking for a way to, find more joy, find more happiness in their life. And <clears throat> I think that the awareness of your life in the first place is being, just being able to shift ever so slightly, shift your perception that it will, it will move that. Right. Um, and that goes back to the incremental thing, you know, and that 1%. So, you know, I'm reading Atomic Habits now, and he was talking, and we had talked about the boat that leaves New York to go to London, and, you know, if it goes off a little bit, it ends up in Madrid or Spain or Portugal. Wasn't it and like he, something crazy, like yeah, one degree so or one something? one degree, like he was saying how he calculated out if a plane leaves L.A. and flies just one degree off, 
and he's planning on going to New York, he'll end up in Washington, D.C., right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, so it's these little tiny incremental things. Yeah. And it all goes back to being mindful and be like, all right, this is not good for me. This is not good for the people that I supposedly love, you know? Right. I'm doing things that are harmful, and why am I attached to these activities or these reactions? So then you become not, that's where you're like, I need to be non-attached. And you've got to kind of do that. All right, what, why? You know, and it takes soul searching and it takes looking inside and saying, is this something I'm willing to let go? Right? I'm glad you said that it takes looking inside because all processes have to start intrinsically. Mm-hmm. They, you cannot learn just by <clears throat> saying, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to cut down my shopping this week. I'm going to cut down the ice cream. No, that's not going to change you as a person. It's going to change some of your habits short term, but nothing will change until we start to do that intrinsically. And I think that it has to start with self. And the attachment of myself and what do who, what do I need? The essentials. I think what really worked for me early, early in, in recovery on that one, Styles, is uh, stoicism, I think, is what I arrived upon. It's, which was, okay, if I linger, if I absolutely linger and ruminate in my own pain... And all of my shortcomings and yada yada, then that's egoic. That's egoic. And I think from there is where I kind of started to realize just how deep this this thing goes of attachment. I'm attached to my own ego. Right. Yeah. First and foremost is to think that I am that important that somebody gives two shits about my my past, my traumas, okay? Yeah, uh, people do. But at the same time, uh, for for me not to move beyond and, uh, um, and, and, and set that aside and put it into perspective in a healthy way moving forward in my life, that's egoic. That's ego. That's arrogance. Right. Uh, right. I don't know about arrogance, but it is definitely the ego screaming that says that's that problem's all you, Chris. That problem is all you. And uh, nobody cares as much as you do. Right. So that is kind of where I started to go on the attachment thing. And it started it had to start from self. That self recognition of self. Right. So it seems like we circled the stoicism a lot. You know, on mm-hmm. all of these. Yeah. So, and you know, I, you know, I'm passionate about it and love it, but I think you're right. You know, you need to realize that it's all in you and your perception of what things are and your attachment to, again, the ideals that you have that, oh, this is important. This is not important. You know, well, nothing's important and everything's important. And no that, one cares, and and, and it, you need to accept that, right? So I think a lot of people think that people actually give a f about what you think, and no one does. No one, you does. know. I mean, maybe some do. Like you, like listen to a guy, and you're like, "Wow, this is pretty fascinating." But 
it's again, people are attached to the idea that, well, this person has the titles or the recognition, so he, he is wise, right? And I feel like every person I meet, I can learn some something from, you know, from the, like, you know, when you were working with the homeless, probably there were plenty of guys that walk away and be like, wow, that was a little pearl of wisdom. Wow. You know, even if you learn, like, wow, that's something I don't want to do. Like when you had the, the bathroom brawl at the place and they're, you know, You're like, right. yeah, no. I, don't, I don't want to get a, in a fight in a bathroom. No, <laughs> so, you know, no. um, so yeah. So you, and, uh, and you would have, you would have, I think you did during those times and we all still do in our lives. And there's a lot to unpack in this right here, but it's through stories and it's through the metaphor of somebody else that I can that I can learn more about myself. Right. But I kind of digress because I think I've taken us off a little bit from detachment. But you said something about stoicism earlier that I really, really like because I think it seems so in an outward way of being very this, it's black or white. What is that comment to you or what is that event to you that hasn't happened yet? You're freaking out about the news of it more than you are the event kind of thing. Um, but still, there's an interior and uh, an, an esoteric uh, way that I can internalize that. And it, that needs to be, needs to be um, understood and clearly rooted out without any words, without any action, without anything. It needs to be rooted out before it becomes action. And that's where I figured out my attachments were coming from. It's just the very thought that I would ruminate in these thoughts of um, got to have this. If this person only does this, then everything will be good this week. If I, if I can get a hold of you or if I can do this, then everything will be fine. There was an attachment to people. There was attachments to situations. And right. all the while, I was avoiding myself. Well, and do you think that that was an attachment to control? Like, if I can control others' actions, then I can, then things will work out? <clears throat> I'm glad you came to that. Because that's, that's a good probably one. where yeah, where, that's a good one. Right, uh, where where the guest is going to go right. next week. Yeah, think, and 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 really... how does control align with attachment? Right. Well, so, it's everything in addiction, wouldn't you say, Kyle? It, yeah. Well, I got to control. I got to know exactly how a situation's going to look. Otherwise, otherwise, I'm going to freak out. I I think it even goes deeper than that. I think it's attachments to fear. At that point, because because uh, yes. control, because for me, my control was that like I, I had that fear of being vulnerable, that fear of not being good enough, that fear of people seeing not seeing me in the way that I want to present. And that's that's where my control comes from. So for me, it's attached. It's attachments to my fears. And once again, going back to that, that identity of like these fears define who I am, that this fear that I'm not good enough, this fear that I can't be vulnerable this fear that I can't show up in an authentic way because what will people think of me? And so I think it's it's definitely it's a it's attachments to fears and control. 
For Absolutely. Sure. And I think, especially in addiction, when you got trauma brain going here that you're living in, there's something neuroscientifically happening where the brain just does not seem to want to even bring in curiosity, imagination. You need to know, you are completely left hemisphere thinking here, buddy. And it's it's like I got to know how this is going to shake out. Or I'm immediately in the realm of fear. And that's I'm familiar with it, but I don't like the fear state. It would it would serve right. me a lot better so, if I could just stay in the control state. Mm-hmm. So, do you think that both of you in your addictive behavior were uh, satiating your fear, or just numbing your fear, or kicking the can down the road by using your <clears throat> given substances? No, kicking it. So, uh, all, yes, again, the right. answer is yes. All of the I would above. Say, I would say yes. I would say that, for me, the biggest thing was trying to avoid it and pretend that it didn't exist. Yeah, yeah. And I think that, that it's deluding myself is really what it was. It's, yeah. It's acting like this fear doesn't happen, and then I go overboard on the other side of overcompensating with my actions and, you know, being that Tasmanian devil, which I definitely have been, going in and drinking everyone's booze and you know, do, doing something ridiculous in the hallway at school to embarrass someone or doing just going overboard so that no one can see that I'm not good enough. And so it's and so it's it's diluting myself and then overcompensating. Right. And that was well, that opens a whole can of worms, that whole not good enough thing. But yeah. it is an attachment. Again, it's an yeah. attachment of who you think you are. The familiarity or, or who you mm-hmm. want people to think you mm-hmm. are versus who you are and mm-hmm. who you are is really the path mm-hmm. and that's being and that's the way to bliss right yeah being right. who you are and authentic yeah it's so, getting back to that intrinsic value right so being a yeah it's i mean this is just a, like a giant rabbit hole of <laughs> It, it is. is. You know, it like, is. I mean, and there's a ton of tunnels. Like, we went down it, and, and all of a sudden, they're like, well, there's five branches here. Where are we going? Mm-hmm. So, right. um, yeah, so, I, you know, for me, I was attached to an ideal as well, like who I am. Like, man, I'm this cool dude, and, you know, I play rock and roll, and I make beer, and, and uh, you know, none of it brought me. I mean, I've, I do find bliss in music, and I like to... to play you know like I, I don't necessarily like playing out in front of people because i feel like you know like a trained monkey you know like oh well let's watch <laughs> the monkey get up and bang on the little <laughs> drum for a while or you know um, yep. and and it's the pleasure i derive is um you know and i think it's a trauma thing is the rhythm you know the working together the syncopation um community right and community mm-hmm. yeah the community, and the, 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 just the 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 you know when you when you get in that groove and you're just going it's there's something very uh primal about it yes you know so um there's something i thought about is that you were saying earlier is like we were t- discussing the trauma brain and that was i don't know Kyle about you but that was pretty much my state of my state of being when i was in my alcoholism yeah and 
it was closed down to curiosity, imagination, creativity shuts down immediately. You're robbed of all that. And just this heightened level of fear. Now, in my recovery, I wouldn't have known the extreme opposite had I known that fear, that level of that. I wouldn't have known how to come through that. I, I don't know, I can't say if I would have known as well, but I certainly are, am more hungry for exploring that sense of freedom and peace mm. um, now that I've seen that, that side into a deep, deep attachment of my old self, deep attachment of anything that was going to help me escape, anything that was going to help me um, numb. So it's, it's, we have to look at all the goods and weigh the, those pros and cons. I, I certainly am better, not because of what I did, but, but um, what I'm doing with it. Mm. So that is day-to-day, minute-to-minute, and that's a discipline for me. And I think that for, to go inward like that is constant. Again, back to this whole thing of constant. It's a habit. It's one of the smallest habits that we can change before we can say, well, we're going to stop doing this, stop eating ice cream or, you know, stop shopping so much and quit buying that and quit drinking alcohol or doing, you know, anything. We have to start with just the smallest aim, small, miss small here, man. Mm -hmm. It's, it's watch and observe. And I think that's the power in observation too. Um, the, the, the real careful gift and skill of observation is just to be aware of it because to be aware as you do in, we, we often discuss in meditation. Now I'm not attached to what I observe. I'm not making an expectation of my meditation, (laughs) just Mm -hmm. simply observing it. Right now, I can start to draw some clear, clear paths and conclusions where I want to go, what I want to correct, and what I really need to work on in my life. You know what I'm saying? So it's 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 starting small and inward. I, I think it can even go like we we were so we were talking about about how there there's kind of three paths to this attachments. You have the clinical path, which is attachment theory, you have the spiritual path, and then you have like the practical sense of like how does it actually show up. And I've been I've been sitting here yeah. thinking, like we we've danced around, we've kind of danced around like the solution a little bit, and like how you know what are what are ways that we can actually practically work on detachments, a healthy detachments. And to follow up on what you were saying, I think that it can start with something even smaller which is like the low hanging fruit stuff because the way that we do anything is the way that we do everything. And I like it. I have I've been I've been sitting here thinking cuz my first introduction into attachments was the book called The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. Yeah. Oh <laughs> and, yeah. And that in that book if yeah. if you if listener if you have not read it, 
I don't I don't remember who the author is, but it's the only book out uh, there. Mark that, Manson. I Mark believe. Manson. Yeah, yeah, it's it's the only Mark. book out there that has that title. And what he's really discussing through, you know, miles and miles of profanity is healthy attachment and healthy detachment. And one one of the ways that practically, since we're talking about like, how, what is the solution here? How how do I work on detachment? What one of the things he he talks about in his book is that. You know, there there's a lady at the grocery store, and she has all of these coupons, and all of the coupons either don't work or they're expired or something, and the person at the checkout tells her that, you know, your coupons aren't going to work here, and she has a hissy fit, just breaks down, full meltdown, starts screaming at the cashier, and so in that moment, you have that attachment to that expectation mm-hmm. that my coupons are going to work today. I'm going to save a little bit of money. But right there in that moment is that low-hanging fruit. And so Correct. that's a small circumstance that we can actually practice that when you have that moment where you're driving in traffic and someone cuts you off, you have the ability to not give your energy and not attach to that expectation and to just like be in the moment, exist, it, it kind of accept that this thing is actually happening. I don't have control over it. And right there, you're breaking down the attachment and the expectation. I mean, it's, it's, it's as simple as that because we can't control whether that person's going to cut us off in right. traffic. And that goes back to the <laughs> actions and reactions and other people, mm-hmm. your reactions to other people's actions, right? Mm-hmm. Right. And it, I mean, it, it kind of, ties into everything um, that we've been talking about. So being attached to this idea that these coupons are going to save me money, but what could be beyond that, right? Like, Mm -hmm. why is this woman so upset by this? Mm -hmm. Like, what is going on in her brain? Mm -hmm. What is she attached to? Yeah, I agree with you. I totally agree with you, Alan, but I think that's second level thinking. Let's stay with the first level thinking, which is, what is my immediate reaction, and why do I get that reaction? Mm-hmm. What is deeper? What is deeper is, I think, what comes later down the road in your practice, because then behind that is you're not thinking with your head; you're thinking with your heart, and it's like, man, this woman's got really. She's had a horrible day. She's an only mother, you know. Um, she, you know. Things are tough, and she's very, very limited budget household, whatever. Right. And we get it. We, we're starting to think with the compassionate heart. Mm. But that's second level. We'll right. stay with well, just that goes the first to love, to right? Yeah. right? Love. Yes, love. You know, instead of your attachment to judgment, maybe. Yeah. You know, like, I like to judge people. And look at this crazy lady <laughs> complaining about this, mm-hmm. you know? And you're like, whatever. It's just money, or who cares? But to her, it could be like, wow. You know, I mean, I remember as a kid, and we grew up pretty poor after my dad left, my mom sent my brother and me to the grocery store with, like, you know, $100, $100 in cash or whatever, and, and a grocery list. And then we get there to the checkout, and we'd both be just, like, sweating bullets. We wouldn't have enough money. <laughs> yeah. So, like, every, you know, 15 items, we'd have our subtotal it so we'd know that we weren't going to, A, be embarrassed, you know, or, we you know, we would have to, like, consciously 
say what's the most important items on this grocery list. Mm-hmm. So we put those on the little conveyor belt first, and then we'd be like, "What's the, ma'am, what's the subtotal? You know, I'm like 16 years old driving to the grocery store because it's a single mom and with my 13-year-old brother. And then we'd be like, what's the subtotal, you know, every five minutes? Because, you know, and, and so... What, what was, what, and, and again, you afraid of what people would think of you? Partly. And the embarrassment. The and, embarrassment. Right, what right. will people think of me? Right. Mm-hmm. See right. how, what an early, early age we already start building that we build that at grade school and mm-hmm. oh yeah so I first, second, probably third grade, I, I would build. say you build it even before that even before that I would say mm-hmm. you know parents telling you right and wrong and I not guess, to do this and not to do that and don't yeah. don't play you don't don't go pull the flowers out you know, or whatever to, you know so you got this and it could go back generations right you know I mean we'd have to look at study Piaget or something on that one, but childhood, early childhood development, but probably the same time that we're developing language play, we're also developing uh, what will people think <laughs> and how am I viewed? Right. And there has to be a healthiness in that too, because otherwise I won't know right from wrong. And, uh, you know, uh, they're, they're, again, we're going to have to wait for some, Next week's guest on some of this stuff. Yeah. I think we have really done a, a big job of circling this thing six ways to Sunday. Yeah, I, I don't know if we've closed in on a damn thing. Today. No, I don't think we did, but I think we, we started the conversation, which which is I think which is so important. Our our buddy who's coming in on the next episode, his he he let me know that his most of his practice is based around attachment theory. And so we have Attachment theory and relationships. Attachment theory is in relationships. Okay. And so on, on the, the next episode, we're really going to... Today we talked about the practical sense and the, you know, the experiential. How does this show up in our lives? But I think the next episode, we're really... We're going to dig deep. We're going to dig a little bit deeper. We're jumping into the abyss. And, and yeah, we, and I'm pretty excited because I've, I've been reading an attachment theory book. Mm-hmm. And I'm, Which uh, one is that? Oh, don't don't pressure me here. Oh, sorry. Well, I need yeah. the answer right now. While, while you're looking that one up, so, can I mention another um, one to you, Alan? Yes, Chris. Okay, it is Five Levels of Attachment by Don Miguel Ruiz. Ooh, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that's a little agreements. that's a little different than this kind of attachment it's, it's, theory. So it's this same is same author, son of um, Four Agreements. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I think the uh that that kind of attachment maybe is more what we're talking about rather than, you know, um, the, the attachment in a relationship. Like if you're, if you've got a secure yes. relation or, or fearful or whatever, the, um, hold on, I'll tell you the name. You put me on the, Johnny on the spot <laughs> I'm sorry. So the book is called attachment theory, a guide to strengthening the relationships in your life. So there you go by, uh, I don't know how you say your first name, T-H-A-I-S, Thais Gibson. So, um, All right. Yeah, so basically, you know, I think that's more where we're heading next week. Mm-hmm. So maybe I'll dig a little deeper. I got to a point where um, I was supposed to do, a, like, a quiz on my partner, my mm-hmm. wife, and uh, I decided rather than guessing what her answers are, I'm just going to ask her. And what a crazy thought. Yeah. So, <laughs> so you know, um, kind of you. so I think it's, it's kind of funny because I don't, you know, know what 
<laughs> what she's going to say. I think I'm going to yeah. do it myself and yeah. put what I think her results are and then have her do it and, and compare. Can I don't compare know. Compare and contrast. Are you going to see how far <laughs> off you are? Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> oh, this is um, awesome. Yeah. So hopefully, you know, I can get her to do that in the next couple nights and then um, try to finish this book up before next week so I can feel like I'm a not so baby-headed. And, I'm uh, super baby-headed on so, this. Yeah, so, so I, no, it'll be You great. know, I kind of know it from the spiritual practice end of it, and I really know very little about the clinical aspect. So I'm really yeah. excited for for uh, our guest, for our guest. So this week, you we've talked about three really good books. Five Levels of Attachment by Don Miguel Ruiz, Jr. Mm-hmm. And Kyle's, yours was? A uh, subtle art of not giving a fuck. Yeah. By Mark Mason was it? Mark Mason. Mark Manson. Mark Manson. 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 Yes. Okay. Yes. Mark Manson. And then this attachment theory book, and we touched on the Don or Demello guy, whatever is Anthony Demello's yes uh, book on love. Mm. So yeah, so probably all worth reading. Yeah. Um, yep. You know. Absolutely. And I think uh, we're looking good, gentlemen. Yeah, I think we're good. So, I mean, thank you guys for stopping by and listening. And please tune in to our next episode where we're going to be discussing attachment theory with a trained psychologist. So I think that should be should be a really enlightening conversation. All right. Oh yeah! Oh, oh Cro- crows! Crows oh, over here looking. He's at me. like he's, oh, he's yeah. doing this hand thing. Doing I thought he'd join again. Figured out. I was like, what's up? We got the number three. We got some gratitude. We, we got, got some. All right, so let's uh, let's <laughs> say that we can't say we're grateful for each other for a week. Okay. Because that's just like that's like. Yeah, you know, low you hanging right fruit, or, you know, <laughs> it sh- is. Sh- shooting fish in a barrel. Yeah. It's like, right. so, it's and, and I actually was thinking about them last night, and now I'm drawing a blank because that's how my brain works. So this will be good. Who wants to go first? It'll be a good one, Crow. Since you're oh, yeah, there, since, you're you're your since you that. came up with this idea, what are you talking about? Well, you know, I started Alan. I started, and Kyle knows this because I started going to the gym this week. Yeah. I'm grateful for just how nice the place is, and it's really affordable, so it's within my budget, and man, it's just been a, a really, it's keeping me disciplined, so I'm very, very mm. grateful about that right now. Um, very grateful for the occupation that I have that I get to do, mm-hmm. and what I get to work with others in in addiction recovery and as a facilitator in that. And that is just a godsend of an opportunity. And uh, I'm grateful for my family this week. I'm really, you know, don't always talk to them all the time because we're older and we just go so many different ways. But, man, this week, man, we've been reaching to each other and it's been great. Hmm, Good. There's mine. Very nice. Oh, you put me at Johnny on the spot. Yeah, what do you got there? <laughs> uh, well, I've been pretty grateful that the weather's been so nice, so I can get some stuff done. Hung the Christmas lights yesterday. It was nice to not be out there on the roof in the snow. Nice. Um, yep. Got the tree up, and it's made the wife very happy and, uh, you know, trimmed it. So we'll count that as one, not two. That'd be cheating <laughs> saying both of those. It's a Christmas basket. Um, <laughs> Um, it's a pretty rare occasion that I would say this, but I'm grateful for the medical profession. I had a, 
Uh, I've had this ongoing uh, gastrointestinal issue for probably uh, oh, since 1987. So you, you guys can do the math. Mm-hmm. Uh, it used to be once or twice a year I'd get a flare-up, and now it's like every other week. Jeez. It uh, put me down pretty much all day Friday and Saturday. Grateful that the doctor could see me Friday afternoon, got a referral, so hopefully I'll go and, uh, you know, they're going to they're gonna t- take a little look up the old uh, corn chute <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and see what's going on. Uh, uh, you know, I'm pretty sure it's diverticulitis uh, that it showed up on a CAT scan a few years ago after I had my back injury, so... Hopefully, you know, not neglecting it for 30-plus years. Um, they don't have to, like, get in there and cut chunks out of me. But mm-hmm. I'll just be happy that, uh, you know, to f- hopefully get some resolution to something that's been plaguing me for more than half of my life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I don't know why I didn't address it years ago, but I didn't. So whatever, that's you know. Um I have an attachment to a uh, distrust of doctors and, and <laughs> so, um, yeah. and right then, there, uh, right you know, the third one is I'm, I'm, I'm pretty grateful for my dogs. We got the uh, almost 16 year old in here. That's, you know, slowing down quite a bit and, you know, getting skinny and hopefully, you know, not suffering and, you know, maybe getting near the end, but She's looking at all of us right now, so I love my babies, and they're all uh, really good dogs, so Mm -hmm. grateful for them. I'll do a fourth one. I'm grateful for my wife. She's been really really fun this week and really, like, getting into the Christmas spirit, and I'm generally very, uh, you know, I'm very ball humbuggy, but this year (laughs) I'm actually, like, it's kind of fun. So she to, really she pushes you to do this. Yeah, yeah, and tonight we're going to come up with the Christmas menu for... uh, for having the families over, so nice. that'd um, be cool. Yeah, we usually do a thematic thing, and I think uh, you know we kind of do country based. So we've done England and Sweden and whatever. Oh, so, yeah. and probably the first year we moved into this house, we did Mexico. So I think we're going to circle around back to doing some kind of Mexican themed Christmas. That'd be pretty so, cool. Yeah, that'd be rad. I love it. Right on. Okay, Kyle. All right, all right. Um, I am. Today I'm grateful for good sleep and my physical health. I have been been going through the works over the past couple of months with lack of sleep and lack of motivation and not wanting to do my workouts and just grateful that I I have a body that's even able to sleep and even able to work out because <laughs> yeah. there are some people who suffer from crazy bouts of insomnia and everything and I'm just I'm just grateful that I'm able to take care of myself the way that I need to. I am also grateful for I'm grateful for neural feedback, which is my brand of trauma work that I've been doing that has really brought me to a a clearer a clearer mind where I'm able to really articulate where I'm at and I'm able to really process through some of my bigger issues in a healthy way. And I'm also grateful for, I got the holidays coming up and I have a couple of buddies who are coming in from out of town that recently moved and I am going to be able to spend some quality time with them, which I, I haven't seen them in a while. So I'm, I'm really grateful for that and spending time with my family and my fiance during the holidays and 
Nice. Yeah, that's where we're at. Right. Very Sounds nice. good. All right. All right. Well, you guys want to wrap it up there? Wrap it up. All right. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening. And please tune in to our next episode on attachment theory. All right. Who's got the bowl? Kyle, pass me the bowl. <laughs>